Good morning, friends. Uh, it's my privilege to read the Bible to you. There are two passages this morning, two brief passages from the New Testament. The first one is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, <clears throat> and it's verses 35 to 38. It's Matthew, chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The second reading comes from Acts chapter 2. It's verses 42 to 47. Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Well, it is uh, good to be together. And thank you for joining us here on site, and thank you to those who've joined us by live stream. I want to acknowledge those on live stream uh, who have COVID, uh, recovering from COVID, or are isolating because of family members who have COVID at the moment, and uh, we remember you in our prayers as well. Friends, today is the day to reset, uh, refocus, uh, renew our commitment to God's purposes together as a church. And our vision, if you're new or have forgotten, is to see lives transformed through Jesus Christ to the glory of God. And that's what we're on about. We want to see men and women come to know Christ, be changed by Him, and become like Jesus. And, uh, and ultimately, when that happens, glory goes to our God and our Savior. And you're picking up that theme that we live for the glory of God. Uh, you see it in our launch series that starts next week. It's Together for His Glory. We've just sung a song which talks about we do all for the spread and for the glory of His name and the spread of His fame in the world. Uh, we are a church that is not self-centered, but we want to be a church that is God-centered and Christ-exalting, uh, that the people around us would see what a great God that we serve, and the nations would come to hear of Him as well. And then we summarize in our purpose under the five M's, uh, we, our purpose is to magnify God by bringing people to Jesus and membership in His family, leading them to Christ-like maturity, equipping them for loving ministry in the church and effective mission in the world. And we'll explore some of those things over the next few weeks as well. But as I was praying about what passage to look at on this vision launch, two passages came to me. The first one is in Matthew 9, 35 to 38. And it's really, uh, Jesus has a vision. He sees people. He sees a situation and he sees people who are harassed and helpless. And, and I want to be able to be captured by Jesus' vision and the call upon the disciples then to pray for workers to go out into the world, and that's into the local area and to the nations to bring good news to these people. 
I want to be captured by Jesus' vision, and I want you to be captured by Jesus' vision right here in these verses. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And the first thing I want to remind you of is the importance that we must see as Jesus saw. So Jesus has been preaching everywhere. The crowds are coming to him. Uh, They love the miracles. Uh, They love his teaching, some not so much. Everyone likes a good miracle. But when Jesus saw them chasing him, they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus sees people properly. He doesn't just see the external. He looks into their hearts, into their anxieties, into their stresses, into their brokenness. And he sees that they need a shepherd and they need a saviour. And sometimes we don't see that people need a shepherd and a saviour as we live in our, in our world in the 21st century here in Australia. He sees people properly. He sees the crowds, they're poor and broken and hurting, the ill, the outcasts, and he sees that they are leaderless, harassed, bullied, bruised and helpless. Sometimes bullied and, and helpless because of the false shepherds, the false teachers, of the Pharisees and the others who bring burden, puts burdens upon them rather than bringing hope to them. But I want to suggest to you that Jesus also looks beyond those who are clearly broken. Now, if, for most of us, we don't think of ourselves as broken, as outcasts. We're not living on the streets. Uh, we don't have major illnesses, necessarily. And most Australians look confident on the outside. I want to suggest to you that Jesus sees in the, uh, to the inside of the confident Australian. Whether you're a superstar tennis player, or a footballer, he sees that you have a need of a shepherd and a saviour. Even if everything is going well for you, the money, the house, the Australian Open, even if everything is perfect, and you're a beautiful person that everyone loves, let me suggest that if you don't know Jesus, then Jesus looks at you harassed and helpless in need of a shepherd and a saviour. Think about your family, think about your friends. Do we have Jesus' vision? Do we see people as spiritual beings in need of a shepherd and a saviour? Friends, if we don't, life will go on as normal in 2022. I remember being on a mission trip in Bali years ago, and sometimes you need to be taken out of your normal situation to really get a better perspective. And when we were on a mission trip in Bali, we were walking down the dusty streets, and uh, there, there are beggars by the side of the road, and uh, there, there are people with serious illnesses, people without legs and uh, without arms, and, and just trying to, to earn some money. And then you see people uh, bringing offerings to their gods, going to the temples and, and bringing food to feed their gods. And you stand back and you think, wow, harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, needing a saviour. But we need to see Australians in the same way. They need a saviour. Our colleagues, work colleagues, our neighbours, our children, our youth, the families that come to playtime, or those who come to our craft group, or the nursing home residents that we visit, or the shopkeepers where you buy your food, the restaurant owners, the cafe... Our own families, lost without Christ, 
lost and yet valuable. This is the other thing when he just they're lost and they are valuable though to God. God loves them. He wants to change their life. But not only do you need to see as Jesus saw, you then need to feel as Jesus felt. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, he said. He didn't just see them and think, oh, well, they're helpless and harassed. Let's move on. Let someone else deal with them. No, no, no. He has compassion on them. And the word uh, literally, the vivid verb, have compassion in the Greek, literally means a gut reaction. You ever feel like your, your gut knots up? You, th- you see a need and you just want to do something to help. You can't leave it in this situation any longer. You can't just walk away. You have a reaction. Someone has said you can pity someone and watch him die. My compassion moves you to do something for that needy person. And friends, we remind ourselves today, how did God show his love for us? Jesus went to the cross for us. They beat him, they scourged him with whips that ripped the skin off his back. They nailed him to a cross. They dropped the cross in its place and they left him there to suffocate. And when he could breathe no more, he died. Crucifixion, the cruelest form of torture the Romans had invented. And Jesus went through that to prove his love for us, to take the punishment we deserved, to be the sacrifice in our place. And he calls them now to have a similar sacrificial lifestyle. You know, Dr. Pierce was the founder of World Vision. And World Vision is a great uh, organization that serves the poor and the needy around the globe. When he saw some needy people, he prayed this prayer, May my heart be broken with the things that break your heart. God. Led to the formation of World Vision. John Knox, who reached Scotland with the gospel, he prayed, God, oh God, give me Scotland or I die. That's passion, right? Oh, give me Scotland, maybe God, if, you, if not, that's okay, I'll go back to watch the football. No, no, give me Scotland, God, or I'm out, <laughs> I die. That's my passion. Hudson Taylor went to China to reach the Chinese. William Carey with a heart to reach India. Tim and Val with a heart to reach others in South Central Asia. Ado with a heart to reach surfing communities in Southeast Asia. David and Carol reaching Muslims in Asia. Peter Beck and Michelle seeking to reach teenagers through schools ministry. Our kids and youth leaders, our SRE teachers, our playtime leaders, a passion to bring hope to the lost, our craft leaders, and we can go on and on. You see, you feel, you'll do something about that. I remember Mike, Mike is a friend at a theological college. I don't know what he's up to now. I don't even know if he's still alive now. But I remember him telling me the story of his life. A wealthy businessman, non-Christian, alcohol destroyed his marriage, he said, and his business. He was left with nothing, living on a little boat on the Thames River in London. I said, well, how did you end up in a Bible college in Sydney? He said, you know, there was a mission team from the United States that came over, all these teenagers, it was a teen mission team. They came down to, to the docks where I was and they, they come and talked to me about Jesus. And I didn't care about Jesus, but I liked the fact that someone was at least showing me some interest. And they told me about Jesus. And, uh, and the final day, they came to say goodbye after a week or two. And they said, Mike, we want you to know that Jesus loves you and that he wants to change your life. You don't have to stay where you are. So he went back and he gave his life to Christ. He went back to his wife. They'd been estranged because of his alcohol abuse. 
She saw the transformation in Mike's life and she got converted as well. So two new believers now. And God led them back to Australia to be trained for gospel ministry and they were studying together at Moreland College. God can use a group of teenagers to change the lives of older alcoholics. God can use you. God can use me. Friends, people matter to God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Friends, that's why evangelism and global mission is always at the forefront of our ministry. It must be. Because we want to be like Jesus. Is your stomach nodding up because of the lost and the needy? Or are you just going to pity them and watch them die? But we must do as Jesus did. And Jesus was out preaching everywhere, wasn't he? He went through the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. He's healing every disease and sickness, demonstrating that he is the Messiah, he is that king, through practical means. And then Jesus later gives his disciples this command, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He preaches the kingdom, then he tells his disciples, now you guys go and preach the kingdom, see people saved. And friends, we need to be preaching and teaching the word of God, and we need to be loving the word of God, we need to be introducing Jesus' word to other people. You know, when I was uh, saved by Jesus as a 15-year-old, and uh, I just figured... You've got to do something. People were lost. And I remember we, I don't know, you'll probably remember this as teenagers if you were saved then. Uh, for those who were saved out of the, a non-Christian background or came to faith at 15 or 16, we realized that Jesus is the only way of salvation. People are lost. They're going to hell. And we've got to tell them about Jesus because if they die now, they're lost. And when you're passionate 16-year-olds, you just tell everyone, right? You offend your parents. You offend your neighbors. Because <laughs> you're like, do you know about Jesus? You know, because the Bible says that we're all sinners, we're all going to hell unless we turn back to Jesus. And then we get a bit older and we get a little bit more staid, a little bit more cautious, how we say it, probably a little bit wiser, how we say these things. And we get to the point where we're too frightened of saying anything about Jesus in case someone doesn't like what we have to say. Now, by the grace of God, where I remember setting up an ISCF group at Enmore High with a few others, I remember being at Sydney Teachers College, I loved it, being part of the Christian group, the leadership team on campus, we were able to become president of the group and lead that group, running gospel events, evangelistic events, weekly meetings, camps, writing articles for the student newspaper. We want to change the world for Jesus, right? When you're 18, 19? Went to beach mission, why not? You know, I'd never been on a holiday before uh, with my parents. We never went on holidays. Greek immigrant families. Your holiday, you go down to the park and play. You think I have money? I have to pay off the house in two years, <laughs> not 30, right? So I went to Beach Mission and, and, and we reach out and we're on a caravan, uh, in a caravan park and there's all these kids come to gospel events and I speak at bush dances and all these things and I think, wow, what a great holiday, what a great mission. And then my wife said, we need to go on holidays now. I said, wasn't that a holiday? <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that the fun bit, Right? You just share Jesus with people. You get a bit tired. 
But what better thing to be doing? We, we taught at Maracle High and ran ISCF there and uh, weekly groups, camps each year and leadership conferences and so on. I just remember those early days and I wish I had that passion of those early days. How about you? Do as Jesus did. Pray as Jesus taught us to pray. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The, the metaphor now changes from sheep farming to harvest because Jesus wants to arouse compassion in the disciples. He wants them to see as he sees, to feel as he feels. Guys, when you pray, look at the harvest. People ready to hear the gospel, ready to be saved, ready for some persecution, persecution as well. Harvest crop is huge, he says. The first thing you must do is pray that God will send out workers into his harvest field. Into the harvest field of the teenage subculture, into the kids' club ministers, into retiree groups, into Muslim groups, Hindu groups, unreached uh, bikey groups, whatever, into prisons, into sporting teams. Pray that God will send out workers. But don't pray unless you're willing to be the answer to your own prayer. Because you see, when we pray that, we're the gospel workers. At Nawi Baptist Church, we are the gospel workers. Some of us will go out from here to other places, overseas, or full-time gospel ministry. But all of us have a part to play in the work of the gospel. Uh, Matt prayed for, for my youngest daughter, Chloe. Turns 22 in March. She's going to study full-time at Morling College, a Master of Divinity degree. Seeking the Lord and where he would uh, use her into the future. Step of faith. You could go out and get a job and earn some money. Dad's going to support her for another few years. <laughs> But happy to support her if she's exploring the Scriptures, getting to know God better, to see how God might use her in the work of the Gospel. But see, having cast that vision, and I want you to be moved by Jesus' vision as he sees that harvest and has the compassion, we need to then live out that vision. And in Acts chapter 2, we see the disciples starting to live out that vision, don't we? In Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, uh, you, will receive, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, you're not going to do this in your own strength. You're not going to do what I do in your own strength. You need my help in the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes upon the believers, and um, Peter proclaims the gospel, 3,000 are are converted, repent, believe, are baptized, and they come together and they start to do life and ministry together. Right? Not individually, it's not an individual Christianity here. They do life together. And together they are devoted to the Word, devoted to the Apostles' teaching. And they want to know God's Word better. They don't want to know Andrew's Word or some other guy's Word or some writer or some podcaster. They want to know the Word better. They want to memorize the word. They want to know what did, what did Jesus teach us? How should we live out our faith now? They want to be mature Christ-like disciples, hungry for the truth, devoted they were. And we encourage you to be devoted to the word, personal reading, home group studies, services. Go on, listen to good podcasts and read good books. And we'll suggest books for you to read throughout the year as well. Secondly, devoted to the community, to the fellowship or to the kinonia, which is the Greek word. You know what it means? It expresses the mutual commitment of believers to one another, helping one another grow up into Christ. 
So when they were devoted to the fellowship, they were devoted to, the, devoted to their brothers and sisters. I want to help Nigel become more like Jesus. I want to help so-and-so, and Nigel wants to help his wife, Jane, become more like Jesus. Invest in each other, in the, wor- in, in the Word and prayer and community, so we become more like Jesus. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Friends, uh, the outside world is looking for a loving Christian community. That every person who walks in here must be loved and welcomed and cared for, embraced. And friends, that's why we run home groups, because we realize in a, in a church with many people, it's often in the smaller groups that you will share intimately with each other, share your real needs and pray for one another and support one another. And you have done this, thankfully, through two plus years of COVID. Thank you to the leaders. Thank you to the members who've gone to home group, turned up to Zoom, even when you didn't want to, because they're not Zoom again. Because you were able to see your brothers and sisters. You were able to talk to them. You were able to encourage them and help them. And we're to keep growing. We've had a couple of groups not able to, to run this year, so we're going to need some more leaders and more homes to host groups so we can try and get more people connected. Because who knows how long this is going to go on for like this at the moment. That's why we run social groups and caring ministries, because we want to demonstrate the love of Christ to all. Devoted to worship, devoted to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, we believe the breaking of bread refers to the Lord's Supper, Early, at this early stage, part of a larger meal, the early church would gather, they'd have a meal together, and in the middle of the meal, they would stop and remember the Lord's broken body, shed blood, and as they ate together, they expressed worship to their God. But I love that, devoted to the breaking of bread to worship. The Bible says, for Christ died for sins once for all the righteous, for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Every time they broke bread, they remembered that Jesus died for them. Friends, it is the cross that brings us together. We come together and uh, people often say to me, oh, I don't have anything in common with the people in my home group sometimes. Well, I don't have anything in common with the other people my age. Friends, the only thing you need to have in common, listen to me, if you are in Christ, come back next week for that sermon, is Jesus. Everything else you can learn, you can grow in. God brings these strange mixture of people in together and says, you're family now. Go ahead, love each other. Not, go, oh, I don't have anything, oh, I don't know about them, you know, they talk too much, they don't talk enough, or... No, 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 no. Brings you together. Go ahead, love each other. Not, oh, if you feel like it. No, 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 go ahead, off you go. Love one another as I have loved you. Devoted to prayer. They devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Friends, prayer expresses our God dependence, doesn't it? That we don't have the power to do anything, to transform anyone's lives, to even transform our own. But as we pray, God works. And I love how John Piper puts it. We exist to do what we cannot do in the natural but we can do in the power of the Spirit. That's what prayer reminds us of. Is it prayer reminds us that we exist to do what we cannot do in the natural, but we can do in the power of the Holy Spirit. God 
can't love that person. God, I don't know how to reach out to that person. God, help me overcome this sinful habit. God, whatever it is, you call out to God and say, God, I'm relying upon you. Prayers of adoration and confession and thanksgiving and petition. Prayers in prayer meetings, in church, in home groups, in prayer triplets, in personal devotion. Pray. And devoted to joy and praise, 46 and 47. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I like that. They're gathering with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. There's something beautiful and glorious about being part of the people of God. And I missed you guys when I was away for two weeks. So I watched you on live stream. Like to be here. Like to see your faces and your children, for those who have children or, uh, or your families, to say we are family, we are God's people, loving each other, serving together. With all of our failings and all of our inadequacies, it's so good to be here. Glad and sincere hearts. Let me tell you, for 25 years, I've been coming with glad and sincere hearts. Not every day, not every day. But I think God gives us those glad and sincere hearts to do his work. And you see, when we have glad and sincere hearts as we serve God and there's joy in God, it overflows into positive witness. And again, John Piper puts it this way, his most famous statement, that God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied in him. Satisfied in God overflows into his glory. And finally, devoted to evangelism and mission, verse 47. They learned, they shared, they worshipped. And somewhere they're proclaiming the gospel because the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I love that. God added to They just did the work. They prayed, they shared, they loved, they served. And God was bringing people into the kingdom. It's my prayer that we would be captured by Jesus' vision in 2022. That we'd live out that vision to see life transformed to the glory of God. COVID or no COVID, gathered together online, wherever we are, we are on a mission from God. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you for the example of Jesus. His heart, his compassion, his sacrifice, his death in our place. May we imitate his love May we be captured by the vision to take the gospel to the great harvest. Lord, transform us, we pray. Give us a heart after you. Fill us with your spirit in increasing measure. And help us to live out the vision. We pray it all in the powerful name of Christ, our Savior, and for the glory of your name. Amen.